Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 344 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Revelation chapter 8 today, and our focus is on what will the end of the world be like? How much do our prayers matter to God? And what does the star Wormwood symbolize? Well, thanks for joining us. I especially want to thank some new listeners all the way from Yangon, Myanmar, Al-Kahira, Egypt, Minas Gerais, Brazil, Kashmir, India, parts unknown, Finland, Ontario, Canada, Baja, California, Mexico, Punjab, Pakistan, Birmingham, Alabama, Atlanta, Georgia, Sarasota, Florida, Oakland, California, South Bend, Indiana, Miami, Florida, Anchorage, Alaska, Columbia, Missouri, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Quincy, Illinois. Our goal is to encourage you in daily Bible intake and more than just listening to the word, we want to understand it. We want to think about it and we want to obey it. We do have a website. It's Bible2021.com, Bible2021.com. It's probably the easiest place to subscribe to the show and every episode has its own transcript as a blog entry. So I'm on the verge of completing two years of doing this everyday podcasting on the Bible and that's about... 710 episodes in. In almost every single of those 710 episodes, I never had to struggle with a topic or a focus because the Bible is so deep, each chapter has so many options to focus on. Today, though, it's a little different. Last year, when we were doing the Bible reading podcast and I got to Revelation chapter 8, we were reading four chapters a day, so it was easy to choose a different chapter to read when one was particularly difficult, like today. This year, we must focus on Revelation 8, and don't hear me saying it's a bad chapter or anything like that. Not at all. Not a boring chapter either. It's really quite fascinating, but it is a 100% end times focused chapter, unless you are a preterist, more on that in a minute, who believes the events of the book of Revelation have already been fulfilled. And uh, being an end times focused chapter, it's kind of hard to interpret. And there are many disagreements on over the exact meaning of Revelation 8, including one I just alluded to. Have these events already happened, which is the preterist view? Or are they in the future, which is the futurist view? Or are they largely symbolic, which is sort of the amillennial view? Now me, I'm a futurist, and thus I believe that much of Revelation is pointing to future reality that we have not yet arrived at. In this chapter, chapter 8, the Lamb, Jesus, opens the seventh seal of the scroll. And rather than being a massive climactic explosion or something, what happens is maybe even more dramatic than an explosion. There is absolute silence in heaven for about 30 minutes. After that, a series of profound events happens. Let's pick up in verse 2. Then I saw... The seven angels who stand in the presence of God, seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel with a golden incense burner came and stood at the altar. He was given a large amount of incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up in the presence of God from the angel's hand. The angel took the incense burner, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it to the earth. There were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Well, this is, as they say, the beginning of the end. Well, 
Or maybe it's the middle of the end, if you count the releasing of the first six seals of the Lamb's Scroll to be the beginning of the end. At any rate, the seven angels that are closest in proximity to God are given seven trumpets. Then a different angel comes to stand before the Lord's altar, and he has a, quote, large amount of incense. Along with this incense, he has the prayers of the saints, and the angel maybe mixes the incense in the prayers and burns them on the altar, which causes the smoke of that offering to waft up into the direct presence of God. Well, so many questions, right? For one, how can prayers be a tangible thing that can be held and offered on a fiery altar and burned at that altar? Well, I don't obviously know the full answer to that question, but We certainly see a clue to what's going on here in Revelation chapter 5, where verse 8 says, He took the scroll, the four living creatures, and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each had a harp and golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, this is fascinating and sort of mind-boggling, but we discover here that the incense is the prayers of the saints. Well, How, again, can prayer be tangible like this? I don't know. Is this 100% symbolic language somehow connecting the prayers of God's people with incense, perhaps in the sense that they go up to God and he is as pleased with the prayers as he would be with some sort of sweet-smelling, perfumey incense kind of thing? Or is this more literal, showing that somehow in heaven prayers become like a tangible thing that can fill up a bowl and be burned on the altar? Well, I actually suspect, and this is obviously a guess, it's not even really an educated guess, right? I suspect the answer is somewhere between those two options. Uh, that in some sense it is symbolic language, but in some, some sense it's real language that these prayers do take on a tangible capacity in heaven. They are filling up God's bowl somehow, some way. But honestly, it could be something, something else entirely. The big takeaway though, and this is important, is that prayers matter. Praying matters. That Praying makes a difference. Could it be that all of history is waiting for these incense bowls of prayer to be somehow filled with the prayer of God's people and that genuine prayer actually speeds the return of Jesus because it helps to fill the incense bowl? I don't know, but there is a Bible passage about speeding the day of the Lord's coming. So, huh, I would not be the first commentator or preacher to suggest a connection between the speedier return of Jesus and these prayers in the incense bowl, but I don't know for sure, obviously. Maybe one day we will. At any rate, this passage should spur us on to be more diligent than ever in praying without ceasing. Now, one other big question from this passage, what does the star Wormwood symbolize? Now, we get the name Wormwood from Revelation 8, verse 10 and 11, which says, The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from heaven. It fell on a third of the rivers and springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood. So many of the people died from the waters because they had been made bitter. So it would probably be a good time to mention that star is probably not a good modern translation of the Greek word in this passage, which is the Greek word aster. Yes, The word star is etymologically related to our Greek word here, but moderns and ancients meant an entirely different thing when that word is used. By star, we, modern people, mean an astronomical object consisting of a luminous spheroid of plasma held together by its own gravity. 
Now, obviously, something like that is not going to crash on the earth, right? Because by aster, the Greeks simply meant a heavenly body, which could refer to a star, perhaps a planet or a moon of another planet, and it could also refer to something like a meteor or a comet or really any number of things. Remember, they didn't have telescopes, so they could look up in the sky and see bright things that are little dots, and that's about it. So, Wormwood is quite likely, this is sort of sort of an educated guess, I suppose, is quite likely a meteorite or similar object that somehow poisons the waters of the Earth. Thousands of possibilities have been put forward for what Wormwood is, including that it figuratively referred to the early church father Origen, a claim made, maybe with his tongue in cheek, by none other than Martin Luther. Well, Anyway, commentator John Yates gives us another Wormwood candidate from the 80s, which has since obviously been decredited. discredited. Dr. Yates says, In 1988, the world began to become aware of a tragedy that had taken place in Russia's Chernobyl nuclear plant. And although the world did not know until later the extent of that catastrophe, a significant amount of radiation had been released into the atmosphere, In the years that followed, more information came out about the extent of the effects of this nuclear disaster. In a manner that is all too common, biblical prognosticators at the time related the tragedy of Chernobyl to the symbolism of Revelation, in this case to the third trumpet. The nuclear plant, blazing like a torch, quote, had made the waters bitter and many died from the water. Indeed, some claimed an etymological connection between the words Wormwood and Chernobyl. It did not seem to matter that the other symbolism did not fit so well. In what sense was the nuclear plant a, quote, great star or great astaire that fell from the heaven? Well, such inconsistencies in the literal occurrence did not deter some from making predictions about the significance of the Chernobyl incident, which many saw as a literal fulfillment of the third trumpet and a prediction that the end times was soon to occur. Well, years have now passed, decades actually, and Chernobyl is rarely mentioned except for an occasional news item about the effects of the disaster on the health of the people in that locality. Chernobyl has given way to other events that inspire prophetic prediction. While Revelation makes it clear, particularly in chapter 22, that Christians should anticipate the coming of Christ and the culmination of history, experience has demonstrated clearly that specific predictions based on contemporary events are often futile. Well, aim into that. The bottom line with this future prophecy, like many of the Bible's future prophecies, is that they won't really be very clear until we are very near in time to the fulfillment. So, what is Wormwood? I don't know. But it sure isn't Origin, and it sure isn't Chernobyl. So, watch and pray. Maybe it's right around the corner, and maybe it's not. Let's read our passage, which is Revelation chapter 8, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. When he opened the seventh seal... There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand in the presence of God. Seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel with a golden incense burner came and stood at the altar. He was given a large amount of incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up in the presence of God from the angel's hand. The angel took the incense burner, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it to the earth. There were 
peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and hail and fire mixed with blood were hurled to the earth. So a third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all of the green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain ablaze with fire was hurled into the sea. So a third of the sea became blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from heaven. It fell on a third of the rivers and springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood. So many of the people died from the waters because they had been made bitter. The fourth trumpet angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. I looked and heard an eagle flying overhead, crying out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, to those who live on the earth, because of the remaining trumpet blast that the three angels are about to sound. Amen. Well, let me say this in closing. Along the lines of verse uh, 12, a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and the sun a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day was out without light. Last year, when we live in California, in central California, we were surrounded by fires. I may have mentioned this on the last podcast, and we went for about a week when the sun was not obscured by clouds, it was obscured by smoke, and it was pink during the day. And the brightest the day got was about like 4.30 in the afternoon right now. In other words, uh, just about before sunset. And every time I was outside walking and I caught the sun out of the corner of my eyes, it was just pink and sick looking. It gave me a chill. Now, I'm not saying that that has any, the fires has any connection to end times or anything like that. I'm just saying it gives you an idea of what could cause a third of the day to be without light. Smoke could certainly do that, especially a lot of smoke. Well, anyway, food for thought. Let's close with our Bible passage for the month of December. We read one every day and try to memorize it. It is Revelation 5.12, and it says, They said with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Amen. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.